Hello and welcome back. I am Madeline Moon, your host for this podcast and every podcast on this show. And I am so happy right now. So happy. I have so much good energy. Why? Because I just finished my two-day retreat with Amanda Duran here in Boulder, She is another fabulous coach, and she flew in to co-host with me an event called More Than This, where we helped women come out of their limiting beliefs and unravel the things in their lives that have been controlling them up till now. It was such a beautiful experience to watch these 11 women come from all over the country and gather and be vulnerable and open and totally increase their confidence, totally face their fears, totally branch out and speak up whenever they are the shy, quiet type or step into their own femininity when they've been holding back and holding on to this masculine type of lifestyle and mindset and target chakras that are out of balance and we did some meditation and all these lovely things. It was just such a fantastic weekend. I'm feeling very grateful and on fire for that wonderful experience. I am excited to say that if you want an experience like this as well, you can sign up for my next retreat. But first, let me ask you some questions. Do you want to look at your past with absolute love and gratitude instead of guilt and shame and beat yourself up for the things that happened? Do you crave to wake up every morning knowing you're not going to obsess over having the perfect body? Have you ever wondered what it would feel like to be that girl who has confidence radiating out of her everywhere she goes? Have you wanted to walk into your workplace or create a business or just love your life finally and and do it with confidence? Have you wanted to speak up and have a powerful, authentic voice? The Confidence Revival Retreat is an intimate, all-inclusive gathering for women at the world-renowned Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Massachusetts. This holistic, juicy spiritual center is guaranteed to welcome you into its arms however you are, but invite you to leave as the most authentic version of yourself, the true version of yourself. Have you found yourself feeling less and less independent over the past several years? Maybe because you have a partner that's entered your life or you've just lost confidence? Do you feel like you have to rely on someone else or say, We, everywhere you go, instead of just I, have you lost the confidence in the powerful word I? Do you feel anxiety when you look in the mirror or at a plate of food still? Do you spend more time thinking about how to be safe and likable than you care to admit? With 2017 comes the fresh energy of new beginnings. Imagine five days centered around creating the incredible energy you gain from your favorite inspirational books or motivational podcasts, but in an intimate gathering where you can divulge your greatest dreams, fears, and current ongoings with a group of soul sisters from around the world. Well, if this sounds like your kind of thing, you are invited to the Confidence Revival Retreat for 2017. The dates are May 14th to the 18th for lovely nights with an all-inclusive stay at the Kripalu Center. The food is provided. Guys, the food is is why people go. It's the best thing in the world. It's just delicious, organic, healthy, amazing, colorful plates. Anything you could ever want, they have that there. You can get the room of your choice, stay by yourself, or stay with some soul sisters. 
wow, soul sisters. You can go to a painting class, a dancing class, a yoga class. You can go outside and look at the wonderful waters or take a walk around the most prestigious, beautiful landscape. I am so excited. I picked this place for a reason. I love Colorado and I plan to do another event here this year, but I wanted to do something that's all-inclusive that takes away the stress of driving around places, meeting places, and have a all-in-one type resort where you know you can sleep there and you can do your workshops there and activities and get down and dirty with real life with me. So I'm only taking a handful of women to this retreat. If you want to be one of them, you can go to the show notes for this and apply for the Confidence Revival Retreat. If you go to my website, you'll also see a little tab underneath coaching that says the Confidence Revival Retreat and you can apply there. I would love to have you. So I am, exciting news, I am leaving for Europe in two, two days. So I will be on my way to Frankfurt, Germany, and then I will be going to Paris, London, Amsterdam, uh, Berlin and Frankfurt and probably a couple other places in Germany. So if you live in one of those spots, let me know. Anything cool to see? If you want to meet up with me for um, a tea or something, that would be awesome as well. So today we have on Heather Waxman, one of my dear friends who I absolutely adore. She is the Amazon best-selling author of Body Peace. She's a spiritual life coach, a meditation guide, and a singer-songwriter. She's a beloved mentor to women all over the world and runs her budding online empire over at heatherwaxman.com. Heather suffered from eating disorders, body image, dysmorphia, and over-exercising for a decade before she found meditation and spiritual practice, which, in less than three years, led her to find true body peace. It wasn't until she admitted to her inner work and uncovered the emotional weight holding her back that she was able to release her addictions and create a life in a body that she loved inside and out. Her superpower is helping people unpack and transform their emotional plus behavioral patterns through spiritual practice, music, and the written word. It is her heartfelt belief that when we clean up our thoughts and clean up our energy bodies of these subconscious memories and patterns, we can live truly radiant and peaceful lives. And this interview with Heather clearly exemplifies that she really does believe all of that. I'm so excited. This is, again, one of my favorite episodes. It was just so juicy and thoughtful, and I know you're going to take away lots from this chat. Last thing before we head on over, I have a review of the week, and this comes from Quinn A., and she says, best podcast ever with five stars. I have found a friend in Madeline. She's so relatable, and in her podcast, always hits home. I found something I can resonate with and take away from on in on in each and every episode, even at the times when I didn't necessarily feel drawn by the title. I really respect the fact that you can clearly see how Maddie has evolved in her recovery journey from the start of the podcast. It's real and it's raw and it's helped me to heal from my own eating disorder. My only wish is that I had found it sooner. Thank you so much, Quinn, for checking it out. You rock. Okay, let's head on over to the show. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie 
Patty Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Hey guys, this is episode 137 with Heather Waxman. And I am so excited to have Heather on the show because Heather is one of my... How should I say this? Like you're one of my soul sisters, one of my closest friends that I know I can ask any question at any time about anything I'm dealing with in life and Heather is always there. So I really plan for this chat to be more like a flowy, juicy conversation about what it's like to be female, to be feminine, to be a powerhouse. And I'll probably already mention this in the intro, but Heather is a returning guest. So if you haven't heard the first episode I have with Heather, you'll want to check that out in the archives on the podcast tab on my website. But without further ado, Heather, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you, babe. I'm thrilled and honored to be here with you and to hold this space. This is going to be great because we're going to just, we're going to just, my plan is for us to just kind of, Wow, that sentence was all over the place. I plan for this conversation to be where we try to imitate one of our juicy phone calls because we always have the best phone chats, I think. I agree. And I love our chats because we just kind of like lose track of time. You know, that's that's when you know like you're in the flow with with someone, you're connected to someone. And I mean, it's always like, oh my God, we've been on the phone for an hour and a half. And like you have like somewhere to go and I have somewhere to go and um, but it's the best. I know. And I don't do that with many people, which is why I'm, I think it's very interesting. And I feel very fortunate that we can do that with each other since that does, it's not super common, I think, to be able to do that. Yeah, I, it's it's not. I I don't know. It's It's one of the like many mysteries of life, you know, just, I don't know, something aligns for people and especially, I don't know, like I'm more of like a one-on-one person. I'm not as much of like a crowd person. Um, and one of my favorite things is this, like, I'm not even thinking of this as a podcast. I'm just like really excited to chat with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. So for everyone that has not heard your story yet and how you became this ultra beautiful spiritual healer and coach and meditation guide, can you give us some background to what led you here and especially how you've evolved even over the past year or even six months, because I think you've had a lot of evolution. And I find that very fascinating because similar to what I've been doing, it's different from the work you were doing just even a couple years ago. It's, it's very different. So how did you get to this wonderful space? Mm, well, <laughs> and dot, 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 still continuing, <laughs> right? Like, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I, I feel it's, it's crazy that like, my, my world kind of fell apart just over four years ago because it really does feel like a lifetime ago. And yet still, I, I feel humble enough to know that like, I don't have all my shit together. No one has all of their shit together. And we're all to some extent just like fumbling around in the dark trying to figure out who we are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, but I mean, okay, so where to even begin? Well, four years ago, over four years ago, my world fell apart. (laughs) Um, I was basically a hot mess. Um, I had been struggling with several variations of eating disorders for over seven years. Um, I, I was prone to anorexic tendencies. I was over exercising. I was binge eating at night. Um, my home was really traumatic. Um, there was a lot of alcoholism in my family, a lot of fighting in my family. Um, and the alcoholism piece was actually very like closeted for a long time. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know that, um, one of my parents was actively drinking and it's, it was like so crazy because, you know, denial is like so gnarly, Madeline. It's like, you look back, you know, like you look back in hindsight and you're just flabbergasted. I'm sure like you, anyone can think of like a relationship that they were in that they can now look back in hindsight and just be like, oh my God, I was in complete denial. But in that moment in time where you were, it just felt like life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I was, <clears throat> I was graduating college, um, in the throes of an eating disorder Um, things in my home were not going great. I was working three jobs and then also like writing a blog on the side and life was just really fast and overwhelming. Um, and I mean, I guess, well, this one day I went to a yoga class with a friend and I was driving home from the yoga class, gripping the steering wheel. And I remember it like it was yesterday. My palms were like so sweaty. All I could think about was like my binge food of choice was sea salt popcorn. And like I was just like gripping the steering wheel, driving home, thinking about that like huge bag of sea salt popcorn that I was going to go home and binge on. Because the energy of my home and the environment of my home was so dense and heavy that like my my whole being just couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? I just... I just wanted to numb. I just wanted to numb everything out. So anyway, I get home. I walk in the door. I go to the snack cabinet and I open the cabinet and I see that like red bag of Indiana sea salt popcorn staring me in the face. And that night something came over me and I just screamed the word no. I was like, no. And I just slammed the door shut and Um, We lived in a condo and I remember we had this like really weird looking door that went down to the basement. It looked like it should have been the front door. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm talking about when you see those in homes and you're like, you're out of place. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I, I opened the door and I like bolted down the stairs and I really just had this like classic coming to Jesus moment. I hit my knees and I just sobbed and I sobbed. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I just prayed. I was like, God, like I, I really don't even know if you exist right now because I just feel so lost and so lonely and I don't want to live like this anymore. And I, I, you know, I wanted to move out, but I couldn't afford to. I was just graduating from college and, um, and I didn't even like my major anymore. And I just felt so lost. And, um, you know, your twenties are hard. They're really hard. And I asked for a miracle. I said, please give me a miracle. That was what I said. Please give me a miracle. And I fell asleep like in the puddle of my tears. (laughs) 
And I woke up a few hours later and I just like peeled myself up off the floor and I walked back into my room and I went to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and like typically when I would binge the next morning, I would overexercise to try to, you know, make up for all the damage I'd done. Um, just doing more damage, you know, just this back and forth cycle that I know that you're familiar with that so many people are. And um, I just, something was different that morning. And I was like, I'm going to try yoga and do something. So I went onto YouTube and I found this like morning yoga video by like, I think it was Tara Styles. Um, and it was like a five minute one and I did it and I felt better. And I was like, that was nice. And then I saw this little like video on the side. And um, it was Tara Styles interviewing Gabby Bernstein. And the title of the vlog said, Need a Miracle? And I was like, shut up. I asked for that last night. <laughs> so I clicked the video. And um, I heard Gabby Bernstein speaking about this text called The Course of Miracles. And I was like, I need that book. And so I bought A Course in Miracles and I started to self-study it, um, you know, closely following Gabby and Marianne Williamson and Wayne Dyer and all these beautiful spiritual teachers um, who really facilitated the course in a beautiful way. And I just started to really practice the principles of A Course in Miracles. And slowly but surely, that book uh, and the meditative practices and the passages and it really helped me get myself out of the throes of my eating disorder. Um, and I really picked it up at the perfect time because not too long after I picked it up, my parents ended up getting divorced and things got so much messier. I mean, there are just so many layers to that in and of itself. Um, but it was, it was a super harrowing time. I like through a series of events, I just, I didn't have a place to live anymore. Um, so I moved in with a friend for three months staying in her, her guest room Thank God. I love you, Sarah. Thank you for taking me in. <laughs> and I just didn't really have a relationship with my parents at the time. Things were so shitty. And that book, that text, um, that channeled text got me through everything. Um, and, you know, looking back now, I'm just I'm really grateful that I, I've been such a and really proud of myself for being such a devoted woman to my practice, because I would wake up every morning and I would do my meditation and I would read a passage and I would do my best to practice it in my life and I would fail miserably a lot of the time and I would do great, you know, some of the time. Um, so that's kind of like how everything began. Um, and I just, you know, through that started to really dive more deeply into various, you know, spiritual practices. And, um, and I just wanted, I just felt like once I had made headway and, you know, within two years had really freed myself of, the body image stuff, the eating disorder stuff. Um, I just, I, I knew that I had to share and that's when I started to just coach people and things have just kind of expanded from there and, um, continue to kind of like evolve, you know, it's crazy. Mm, I love your story. It, it, I, of course I relate to a lot of it, but I will say we are quite different in the paths we took to find the same slightly similar destination of, you know, recovery and healing and self-love, but you took a very, very spiritual route. And I did, you know, we'll have to get into the whole masculine feminine side, but I went into the more mm -hmm. masculine structured route of 
let's make lists of things that I need to stop doing and things I need to start doing. And it was very um, calculated what I did, mm-hmm. whereas yours was very spiritual. And I think that's gorgeous to hear about that in that process. So you started to read A Course in Miracles. Did you read the full Course in Miracles or did you read the, what's the one? It's like Course in Miracles Made Easy or both? Oh yeah, I just did the straight up text, um, which I know can sound like really daunting and dense for people. Um, I just, uh, it, I just took to it. And, and really truly like I grew up with Jesus and, and so, um, I was raised Roman Catholic, but my dad was raised Jewish. So I had this really beautiful smorgasbord of Jesus. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and I always felt a deep connection to him, but, um, I did always feel like something was missing, you know, in church and it, and, and like, you know, um, going to Passover Seder, like there was just a depth that I, I would, I, I didn't know how to vocalize it then, but now I know that there was just a depth that I was seeking. And so when A Course in Miracles came across, uh, came, came into my life and I learned that the text was 1,333 pages of text that was uh, channeled material that Jesus had spoke through the the vessel of someone, I was like, oh my goodness. And then I started to read it and it was just, it was like, a, it felt like a homecoming for me because the depth of it just really resonated with me. And it felt, and I felt so grateful because I was able to, A, help myself and then um, share the text with other people because I know it can be a really dense text for people. And I feel really grateful that I was able to, you know, translate that for people. Yeah, because you did those periscopes of the translation, which I thought was super cool and really needed. You don't still do those, though, right? Um, well, that that comes to the hiatus of 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk about that, too. I want you to tell a little bit about how you've been able to give yourself this much-needed break. And as such, you have inspired me to take my own, which has been so freaking nice and so needed and like i actually feel energized now i'm like yeah let's get this you're going yeah yeah because i took that break yeah and did the bare minimum just like podcasting and coaching and that's pretty much it for a few for a couple months i'd say actually yeah well i think it's really interesting that you know speaking to the the female audience of beautiful people out there, our soul sisters out there listening. It's really interesting that when it comes to like the workplace, the only time that we're encouraged to take a maternity leave is if we're carrying a child. And it really like, uh, it just like cuts off our uterus. (laughs) Like it's, it's literally insane if we think about it because as, as women, we're like 16 times more, like fill in the blank than men. We're 16 times more emotional. We're 16 times more sensitive. We're 16 times more creative. Sorry, it's just true. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not that like we're a superior gender. It's just that the the, the, the female uh, system, because we're meant to carry life and birth life, is, is just more complex and more sensitive. So what's interesting to me, though, is that, you know, as women, we have so many cycles like we go through all of the seasons every month because we we menstruate every month we go through spring summer fall and winter and but we're we're only encouraged to take the season of winter when we're carrying a child 
And so we, we grow up like so freaking confused. Like I was so confused <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm a woman who's taught to act like a man and live like a man does and work like a man does and be, be like a man instead of, um, being a woman, which to me, you know, 2016 was like, you know, and speaking to numerology was a nine year. It's all about endings and reflections. And, you know, right now we're having this conversation in a Mercury retrograde. It was like, kind of like to me, the year of 2016 felt like one big Mercury retrograde, just reflection, review, reassessing and all of those things. And it was truly the first year in my life that I really allowed myself to take a maternity leave of the soul. And I really feel after doing it that every woman has to listen to her truth and has to, you know, like get aligned with her own rhythm. Like that's it. Like more than anything, I think that it's a commodity and like a gift to be someone who is rhythmic. Like this is like my 2017 word. It's rhythmic. I want to feel rhythmic in everything that I do because like there are constantly notifications and people and text messages and emails and everything that's trying to throw us off our rhythm. So when someone comes into your life who is a master of their own rhythm and is acting in such a way that they like are rhythmic, you just want to keep being around them. You know what I mean? Because they're balanced and it doesn't mean that they're perfect. You know, there's like, I'm not certainly perfect and I, I get thrown off my rhythm, but I can bring myself back onto my rhythm. And part of that rhythm is knowing when we just need to be, we need to go into our little cave and just rest and retreat and um, take a lot of stillness and a lot of time. And 2016 really for me, it was personally this like maternity leave of the soul is just really going within and reflecting on, you know, what's been working in my life, what hasn't been working in my life, what's felt really rhythmic and aligned, what hasn't felt rhythmic and aligned and um, really letting go of uh well first and foremost aspects of myself that I needed to shed and then from that I I realized that my entire business needed to be completely um smashed <laughs> and and restructured which is actually really liberating to me so that was kind of rambly but that was perfect yeah. and I'm curious to hear how you're smashing your business because to me I'm trying to because to me, I'm like, what What are you changing? Because you have so much spirituality and love yourself and be in tune with yourself. What are you incorporating now? I am curious to hear that. But before we go there, I have another thought that I need to ask you. Okay, so someone's listening to this podcast and let's say that they have one of two jobs. They're either like a nurse where it's mm -hmm. crazy and they can't really just like, we have a luxury, we do, to be mm -hmm. able to rest whenever we need to rest because we control our schedules. We control everything, how much work we do in the springs so that we can prepare for the winter whenever we want to retreat. Like we can do those things. We've worked hard to get here very hard. It's not luck. We've worked hard, but for what, but what about the people who have jobs like being a nurse or being a lawyer and they're working crazy hard all the time and they don't have the ability to take a physical leave of absence yeah how do they take the leave of absence for the soul while still physically continuing to work and to to technically hit it hard yeah okay so well first of all i know this is going to sound a little bit hard ass but i speak from experience because there was a time when i was working 
three jobs and starting a business at the same time. And I still found, you know, time to, to be still because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is like, you have to want it. Like you're either, you know, I know it's such a cliche, but it's, it's really so true. Like you'll find a way or you'll find an excuse like straight up, you know? Um, that's how I personally feel. That being said, um, if you really do need some space, well, two questions to ask yourself is what am I being called to say no to? And how am I being asked to be brave? Those two things, your like your intuition, your soul knows the answer to those things at any point in time. So you can start to get somewhere with asking yourself those two questions, especially women with the no thing. You know, it's like mm. saying no and setting those boundaries is so massive. Um, and when you say no, then you you create space. So what are you, what do you need to say no to? And how are you being asked to be brave? So in the situation of, of knowing in your, in your heart and in your soul that you need a rest, like your soul is just like, give me the rest. How you're being asked to be brave might look like, okay, can I ask, you know, can I ask my boss for a couple of days off of time off? You know, like what's the worst thing they do? Say no. Right. Like this is the thing is you're not confined. You're being asked to be brave. Taking a rest is hard especially for all of us, like, because so it hard. Yeah. Wherever you are, you're being asked to be really, really brave. In the case of an entrepreneur, it can be super harrowing because we're so used to being in that proactive, constantly creating things. And when you step back, you have to trust that your business is going to take care of itself. Hopefully you've to some extent set it up that way so that it can, you know what I mean? But also, are are there people in your family, I mean, this is practical, that you can just say, listen, like, I need this. Can you please help me? You know, even if it's like three hours on a Saturday and you just like take those three hours to like, you know, get into nature or go somewhere that just lights you up. Or um, you tell your kids like from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday, mom is having her alone time, you know, like think you have to create these boundaries for yourself. And obviously, like, I don't know the details of everybody's life. But if you ask yourself, like, what am I being called to say no to? How am I being asked to be brave? And most importantly, how can you ask for the support that you need? You will find your own answers. Those are great. And I think those are definitely something people should write on a sticky and put on their mirror, like Mm. write on a notes section in their phone just so they can pull it up because it's similar to what I have my clients do. I have, I have one particular client. It's very interesting, but she works so hard. And I think that along the way within her life and her work ethic, she's found a lot of self value through work ethic of working really, Mm -hmm. really hard. And it's understandable depending on different family situations, but she really earned feeling worthy through working really, really hard. And one of the things I always have her do is whenever she takes a step back and she goes through a season of having to say no is also ask, is this honoring me? And then how, like, how is this honoring me? If someone Mm -hmm. asked me to do something and I just don't feel like I have the time, is this honoring me to say, yes, I'll do it. Or no, is it not honoring me? Is it honoring me more to say, no, I cannot. And how, because it gives me time to rest and recover and recoup, recuperate. And like all those beautiful mm-hmm. things that we so 
desperately need in our lives. And it's hard to remember that when you have so many people that you follow online, in the real world, wherever, that praise hustle and drive and never quitting, never giving up and never this. And it's very masculine. It's very go, 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 go. And I have this conversation with my mom is how I've always struggled with not working. Like I have to be busy all of the time, all of the time. I need to be busy or I feel guilty or I struggle. And this has been a very big turning point for me. This this uh, winter, this fall, because I've realized, like, I would go to coffee shops and I would be like, work, darn you, like, work, create something, like, feel very productive at the end of the day. And I would start to create things out of fear, not out of love, because I fear Mm -hmm. not working. And finally, for one of the first times in my life, that didn't feel good. Normally, I could do that and get by and be like, okay, whatever, maybe it wasn't the best stuff, but I did it and I worked. But now I'm like, it doesn't feel good and and it's hurting me and it's hurting my creativity. And as a result, there's a ripple effect. I do this here and then I go home and I have more of that same energy of do, do, do and don't stop quitting. And then my like intimacy and my relationships struggle because I'm more masculine there. And this whole Mm. ripple effect, it's crazy to watch happen where I start to feel more insecure and more of, um, just more resistant to relaxation or feeling more guilt in other areas of my life. So even doing one thing, say no to more things or say yes to the right things, that will have a ripple effect into other areas of your life where you can finally get a little bit more in touch with your intuition about what you want to say yes to, what you want to say no to, and how you want to feel, how you want to feel inside your body when you say Mm -hmm. yes or no to something. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful point. And Yeah. I mean, if people are super busy, it sounds very hokey and silly and simple, but it, but it is simple and it's really profound is like, how deeply are you breathing every day? Most of us are breathing so shallowly throughout the day. Like, like if you're breathing like that throughout the day, your nervous system is going to be so much more balanced and you're going to have more energy it's simple, but it's true. Like that prana, that energetic flow that, that moves through you. That's, that's not like a a hokey new age term. It's just, it's truth. Like if you're breathing more deeply, you're going to have a deeper, more full alive experience of your life. If you're breathing shallow, you're going to have a shallow, um, anxious, uh, icky experience of your life. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean, and when I say like a deep experience, it doesn't mean that like everything's going to go your way because it's not, that's not how life works, but you'll be able to, uh, more easily connect to what you need in that moment. But if you're not breathing, you can't access it. Can you talk a bit about your relationship with Maddie and how over the past, how many years, nine years, right? Eight. Eight years. (laughs) How in the past eight years y'all have become, let's specifically talk about codependency. Not that I'm saying you were codependent, but I know that oh, that's I was. something. Okay. <laughs> and you were codependent. And let's talk about how you got out of that. And also explain what is codependency because I think some people might have a, like, one particular idea about what codependency is. And I, I personally believe it's quite a few things. It's mm-hmm. many different things. So what is it and how are you able to get out of that with him? 
Um, codependency is a form of addiction. Um, it's this emotional, mental, behavioral condition that basically says, I need you to do this or act this way or be this way in order for me to be happy. So the actions and the behaviors of your partner is directly correlated to your sense of peace and happiness and well-being. So you're relying on someone else to make you happy. It's an addiction. It's really hard <laughs> to, to move through. It is. And, yeah. Um, you know, you could trace it back to childhood. You know, all of us can in some way. Um, I, I feel like I was born with codependency because, um, you know, when my mom was pregnant with me, she was actually really struggling with orthorexia because two years ago, uh, before in 1987, she had been pregnant with my sister Katie and my sister Katie ended up passing away, um, three days after she was born. She was born in June of 87 and she had this really rare heart defect. Um, and interestingly enough, she, um, and well, my mom and my dad decided to participate in this study at, um, I think it was Harvard and they were doing this study on, um, Katie and a bunch of other babies who had this very rare heart defect. And she was one of the last case studies that they needed to find the cure for this rare heart defect. So she was this like beautiful miracle baby, but she, she lived three days. And so obviously that was really traumatic for my parents. And obviously, and I was born in 89, so I didn't come along too far after. Um, so when my mom became pregnant with me, all of these old emotions that she had not processed were triggered. You know, that was part of my role in, in my mom's path of, you know, triggering her awake. And anyway, so she developed orthorexia. She just wanted to eat perfectly because she wanted me to be perfect. She wanted me to be healthy. She was so afraid that, you know, the same situation was going to happen to her, um, that happened with Katie. So anyway, so, um, there was that situation. And then when, uh, I was born, my mom had severe post, uh, and PTSD. Um, and she really needed to tend to herself. And, um, as a result, it, you know, I don't blame her for any of this. It's just, you know, it's the way things went down. Um, I developed, I had always sensed this feeling that my mother needed me in order to be happy. Like, I remember we got in this really, really terrible car accident when I was two and a half. Um, and my mother uh, got carpal tunnel from this car accident. We were hit pretty badly. I was okay, but my mom got, you know, the brunt of the injuries and I remember we were sitting in this ambulance and she was like lay laying on the stretcher and I was sitting with the nice probably very attractive <laughs> EMT and he was like stroking my back and I looked down at my mom and I was like don't worry mommy I'll take care of you and I mean I mean that kind of says it all there like I was constantly trying to take care of my mother emotionally because uh, of all of the trauma that she had been through. And this kind of relayed into my romantic relationship with Maddie. Um, and I just 
always wanted to take care of, take care of, take care of, take care of. They're just constantly um, coming up for me. It was a, it was a huge pattern, but it was unhealthy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that sort of like coincided with um, a desire to control. I just wanted everyone to be happy and at peace. So if I could try to control the situation to be, to be my idea of peaceful, then everything would be okay. And so like when Maddie and I met, he was atheist and I was a practicing Catholic and I just constantly wanted him to change. I was constantly wanting him to believe in God and to pray or go to church and be a certain way and just wrapped up in this idea of who I thought he should be. And it created so much tension in our relationship. And both of us really did this. I mean, I was quite (laughs) quite more intense about it than he was. Um, And to be fair, like sometimes people really need those shared values in order to thrive in a healthy relationship. But what I've come to learn about myself is that I actually really love the polarity. I love how Maddie doesn't meditate. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't really care too much about, you know, talking to angels or any of this. But he is really happy. He's a really balanced, happy person. And I do love to meditate. And I talk to angels all day, every day, and all of these things. And I'm really happy. And both of those ways of being are perfect. None is better than or worse than the other. And long story short, I really needed to go deep into the root cause of my addiction to him being who I thought he should be. And I think this is that's the root cause of all issues in relationship. It's just you're angry at your partner because they're not behaving the way you think they should behave. Or they're not doing what you think you should, they should, you, you, you think they should be doing. Um, it's the root cause of so many issues. And it takes a lot of breath and patience and a willingness to like be really, really honest with yourself and the, the core reason as to why you feel that person should be behaving that way. Um, to, to get to the root cause of it, you know? And when we, can give our partners the gift of letting them be who they are we will have a truly remarkable relationship I actually believe you can like manipulate yourself into being happy in almost like big asterisks almost every relationship but you have to drop your ego you have to let go of like this person needs to be a certain way and show up for your partner and give them all the love that you want um, the woman holds the caliber of the relationship. We, we're again, we're like 16 times more fill in the blank than men. So like you can apply this to same sex, um, relationships too. I mean, any relationship, the, fe- the feminine energy, the female in the relationship, the more feminine energy holds the caliber of the relationship. And so when you as a woman come to your relationship and look at this as an act of service. How can I give love to my partner? How can I shower my partner with love? How can I show up for my partner? And you bring all of yourself to that and you do that instead of, you know, like 
in the back of your head, just being like, this is what I think you should do. And you need to be this way. And you did this wrong. And then, and then, and then, and nagging in, in your head. Cause that's what a lot of women actually do. Um, your, the caliber of your relationship will be so wildly different. That has changed everything for my relationship with Maddie. Mm, yeah. Wow. I love that you said the woman holds the caliber. Like that's a way that I never even thought about it. Now you said the word nagging. So that brings up to me, that's kind of in a way that's almost like a trigger word for me. When I hear nagging, I think of like all of the old stereotypes about women, like women nag, wives nag. Now, is that something that you think is, is hard to, because like I, in my, I'm trying to like explain what I'm, what's going on in my head, but I would always fear that I would be seen as a woman that nags Mm -hmm. if I have a concern. So how do we share concerns without quote nagging and being quote that woman? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Oh, I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example from my relationship from two days ago? (laughs) Absolutely. Please. (laughs) Like it's like stupid shit, but it, but we all have the stupid shit that comes up. So, um, I had like an insane day. Uh, so today's Friday, Wednesday, it was like 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. I was like straight out just really busy. And uh, our little kitty cat needed food. And I had like uh, like a three-hour window um, in between like my craziness and my mom was over. Um, and I hadn't seen my mom in a really long time. And we ended up having this beautiful afternoon together. And like in the middle of the afternoon, Maddie was like, did you get cat food? just like expecting that I was going to do it. And I got super triggered and all of this anger started to come up. Like, why would you expect me to get the cat food? Mm. Why don't you get the cat food? Right. And, and so instead of like, I felt that anger, I noticed that it was there. I completely honored it and I just breathed into it. And then I spoke out loud. I was like, I really want to attack you right now. So instead of doing that, I'm going to feel my anger and then I'm going to respond to you. And so I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt. It took like 30 seconds to just take some really deep breaths. And then I said, babe, why did you expect me to get the cat food? So it wasn't coming from a place of attack. I was just curious, like, where did this communication split occur? Right. Because that could have totally turned into like a screaming fight. And, and for many couples, it, it would and it, and, it, and it could. And so he was like, oh, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, it looks like we had miscommunication on both ends. So um, my schedule is pretty booked all night. Could you please get the cat food today? And I'll get it next time. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And he got the cat food that's not nagging. You know what I mean? Uh, but I think too, is that like when we're feeling discomfort or dis-ease, we don't want to vocalize that and communicate that to our partner, but they feel it psychically and subconsciously anyways. So you might as well vocalize it. And what partner is going to get mad at the other for being like, listen, I really want to attack you right now. I'm feeling so mad, but instead of doing that, I'm just going to feel my stuff and then come to you when I've calmed down. Like who's going to, be upset about that, you know, Mm -hmm. but to get to that point, I mean, it took a lot of 
doing from me doing it the wrong way, you know, and like nagging and effing up. But and that's kind of like an example, you know, I'll share a little bit about what I did with my ex-boyfriend. And I think I've, yeah, I shared this with you. We had a phone call about this, but I, so we just weren't a good match. We weren't really a great fit. I'll just come out and say that we weren't really supporting each other. We, in my perspective, he may have a different perspective, but in my perspective, I think that we suffocated change in each other. Neither one of us really promoted change in the other. And I was very codependent with him in multiple ways and him with me. He wouldn't be able to enjoy doing certain things unless I did it too, but I didn't want to do certain things. And like, say he, he loved to ski or uh, snowboard. And I had done it once with him, but I didn't want to go again the next weekend. And then it upset him. And then he would go, but kind of resent me for not going. And then I would resent him for resenting me for not going. And I stopped going out and hanging with friends. It was just totally within my control. I am not saying it's like something that was destined to happen because we could have changed that. But we didn't want to. I I didn't want to. I was was done. I had completed that relationship and I learned Mm -hmm. so much. But going back to what I was trying to get to, um, for a while, he was not very spiritual. And for me, that is something that I personally do want. But in the beginning of the relationship, I didn't care. I was so head over heels for him. I was like, I don't care. You be you. I'll be me. And it's all good. And then after a while, I started to notice I'd be like, "Ah, well, why isn't he going to church with me? Why isn't he bringing up Bible study? Why isn't he praying with me? Like I became very much, I changed on him, like in not in a healthy way, but in a codependent way where all of a sudden I got, because I kind of stopped practicing my spiritual life took a very big dip when we when we started dating I kind of put on the back burner and I became all invested in him 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 and then once we got into a routine of our relationship I moved in with him then I was like okay I'll go back to doing all the things that are important to me and then I started picking back up really intensely with my spiritual life and then I expected him to do it too And then he was just confused. He was like, who, what's happening? What is going on? He like called his sister. He's like, she's all spiritual all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on. She expects me to be in it too. And then to me and my logic, I'm like, well, duh, like, duh, you got to join. Like we're one. Right. And so then I started going, inviting him to go with me to church and he would start going. And then I'd be like, okay, let's pray together before food and like after food and then all the time. And Eventually, I will say something cool happened. He became very into it and he loved Bible studies and he loved going to church and he was praying and all this. And, and what, what happened to me? I, it's the weirdest thing, Heather. I finally, I get what I really wanted and he is even more in it than me. And I almost got like a weird sense of jealousy. It was like, not it wasn't pure happiness like yes this is what i so wanted it was like first of all i was like oh well now i don't have all your attention <laughs> it's so mm-hmm. bad to say i love but it's so true no I was it's like, true i mean the sneakiest so ego true. of all the sneakiest ego of all is the spiritual ego oh my god i had no idea because then i was like okay well cool like yeah you're praying but are you praying without me <laughs> like really weird and then then i was like nitpicking on his clothes and then i was like nitpicking on all these different things and i was just like 
oh, we need to take you shopping. I don't like any of your T-shirts. You've been wearing these T-shirts forever. Like, since you were in middle school, you changed this. And then he changes T-shirts. And then I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, wash your laundry separate from mine. You stinky. And, like, all this weird stuff. <laughs> you stinky. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know. It's just, like... All, and he did it to me too, like when I started traveling home and he didn't like that and he didn't want me to travel and then that's when we were like, okay, this is working out. You know what I think? We, we just, listen, straight up, we're always in a relationship with ourself. Mm-hmm. Like Yogi Bhajan has this beautiful teaching that has been the guiding force of like all my relationships for the past four years and, and he says, um, if you are willing to look at another person's behavior towards you as a reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves, rather than a statement about your value as a person, then you will, over a period of time, cease to react at all. And you can flip it around to yourself. Like, your behavior towards your partner is only a reflection of the state of the relationship with you. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that we're really only in a relationship with ourselves. Right. And and that's going back to what you're saying. This whole year has been a year of reflection. I couldn't agree more because yeah. for one of the first times in my past of relationships, I've really learned. Like I, I can see all that. Like before this stuff probably happened, but I never would have been able to call myself out on it, realize it, look at it, wonder why. But with this relationship particularly, I've been like, what? what happened there and how do I make sure I grow from it and I can respect my partner for who he is moving forward and to never lose myself no matter how exciting and fulfilling and Twitter pated I am at the beginning of something new. (laughs) How can I make sure I hold on to what's true to me no matter what? So now I am in a relationship with a wonderful person and I am very much all into what I'm doing. And I remember these things I learned about that codependent part of me because I know that you'll find something. If you're, if you're codependent to any kind of degree, you'll find something to be latched onto that you want to change. And I'm telling you, like you already know this, but I'm telling anyone else listening that Mm -hmm. you will find something else. Once that thing gets fixed or changed or turns into what you like, you will find something else. You will constantly find something else because I, it was never enough for me. It was one thing to another, and I wasn't fully in my own spiritual life, which is why even when he did it, I wasn't purely happy for him to find this love. It was about me. It was all about me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, it was never about God or spirituality. It was never about that, ever. It was yep. always about me needing to control. Like, okay, mm-hmm. back then I used to control food, and then I controlled my body, and then I got rid of all that stuff, healed myself. And now I'm going to control my boyfriend. Like, no, right. no. So if you have that control desire, be very, um, aware of how you are in your relationships. Do you do the same thing just in a very different way? Maybe you do. And it's okay. Cause obviously we, we done that. So it's okay. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think too, what's really helped me is, um, like, Old, the old, like, you know, in Kundalini Yoga, we call it, like, Piscean Age. But in the old, like, Piscean Age model, it was, like, okay, like, my partnership is everything. But now it's for both for both sides. It's, like, women want to gather with women. Men want to gather with men. And what's really worked for Maddie and I is filling ourselves up with what lights us up, um, which really also includes, like, our tribe. 
And then taking that energy that we get, the energy that I get from gathering with women is unlike anything else I've ever experienced in my life. It's better often than the juice I get from my relationship with my partner. But the best thing ever is when I, I juice up on my creativity and I juice up on, you know, living my life in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that fills me up and I gather with women and I juice up on that and then he does the same thing and then we come together and the relationship is magical. Yes. You know? That's a great way to describe it because I, I feel the same way when I'm with women. It's so different than when I'm with my partner. It's like being with women prepares me for the moments I'm with my partner. Preach. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. So uh, ki- kind of switching gears, but in the same realm, what's been up with you and like this nature thing? <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. I love you. <laughs> this nature thing. Oh my God. I love nature. Um, you know, I have to say that um, I was very disconnected from my relationship with nature for a really long time. And when I started to deepen my practice of essential oils, which, you know, are just like pure mother nature in a bottle, particularly like, ones that had um, like spruce tree oil in it or like cypress oil or vetiver oil, like oils that smelled so deeply like the soil. I started to crave nature again and I started to take walks outside in nature more often. And every time I did, I would just get these beautiful downloads of poetry. Um, And I hadn't written poetry in so long. This was like early 2016. And Um, and I started to walk every day outside and, and then I was like, I'm going to put my feet like in the earth and I would put my feet on the earth and I would just feel so connected. My day would be better. Um, and I realized that I had just like totally lost my connection with mother nature. It's everything, you know, like we are earth, we are earth and spirit. You know, I'm, I was reading this book. It's actually called Woman, Earth, and Spirit, The Feminine in Symbol and Myth. And it talks like so much about um, nature and the importance of nature. And like way back in the day, like thousands and thousands of years ago, like it was expected that like whenever women were menstruating, they would like have a season of winter. Like they would go into nature, they would gather together and they'd be together and they'd bleed and they'd be in nature and they would replenish themselves and do that by being in nature. And nature is that like nature is just like the great replenisher for me. Um, It makes me feel connected to my spirit, connected to myself. It makes me feel that, that feeling of like rhythm that I want to feel in my life. And it makes me feel really like, in tune and connected to the particular season I'm in, whether I'm ready to like really be creating and, and producing things, you know, a season of summer, or I'm ready to retreat and really go inside winter, or I'm kind of harvesting and preparing like fall. And, and so it helps us to connect to our own cycles. You know, it's, it's everything. And, you know, when like you neglect, like your art or like, or maybe a sport that you hadn't played in a really long time or something. And then you play it or, and then you, or you, you do the art that you hadn't 
done in a really long time or you see the person you haven't seen in a long time and there's like this simultaneous feeling of like joy but also like this this grief sadness yeah yeah like oh my goodness like I've neglected you for so long that's how it felt when I like reconnected my relationship with nature um yeah it's kind of really sacred to me and I, I was telling you this earlier I think it's it makes me, it's so interesting to me the way how, like, I notice how disconnected I am. Yes, I go on hikes because I live in Colorado, so I'm hiking a lot and it's fun, but it's not a experience where I'm really in touch with nature. It's more of an activity, something to do, but it's not on an intimate level. So when I hear you talking about this, I'm like, oh man, I really want to like experience that, like not go to hike, but go to just be in it. Yeah. Find a find a spot. Particularly, I want to find a spot I don't have to hike to. I can just go to a certain place and like walk a bit, and then sit down and like be in it. So it's not about the activity; it's about being still and being with the nature and making it very pure and a connection. And mm-hmm. and like take a journal and just write and see what comes out of it. Yeah, it's amazing because like you know thinking about like going like sciencey like the earth has an electromagnetic field right and like so mother nature has a rhythm mother nature has a particular cycle and like when we get into nature and we start to connect with that rhythm we start to connect with that electromagnetic field and we do it in a way where we're not necessarily i mean you of course like go if you want to go for a run go for a run like you know i'm not trying to be dogmatic here but like piggybacking off of what you're saying that you like go to a place that's calling you and you just let yourself wander you're connecting with your rhythm by doing that you know not be like i'm going to walk 2 miles in a straight line like right. go to the place you want to go and just let yourself explore and you start to you know by putting your feet on the earth and following where you want to go intuitively you're communing with mother nature and you're you're finding your own rhythm again um which sounds kind of like hokey but when you experience it that's exactly what it feels like and it's yours no one can take it away from you it's your it's your own unique you know relationship and that's what i tend to do when i go outside or go on hikes i really just try to get to the top quickly so i can come back down <laughs> and like that is not, that's not what i want to do i don't know why it's like used to like hikes would just be so when i first moved here hikes were so just this is fine let's do it every once in a while but i think i've been around so many people now in colorado who hike purely for activity that it's kind of made my brain think that way like let's just do this get a really intense hike on like challenge ourselves and it's taken away from that beauty Mm. of just going because sometimes i might just want to like hike a little bit and then come back down and not go all the way to the top and have to do all that i just want to like be in nature and if you're one of the people that are blessed enough to be in a place with beautiful nature make sure you keep that connection pure and keep your eyes peeled for whenever you get into this space of must go because I must burn calories and I must go because I had to get to the top and I got to do it. And if I don't go all the way to the top, it's not a real workout, blah, blah, blah. That's not, (laughs) that's not why we're doing this. That's not why you're getting in the rhythm of nature. It's to learn and to have that intimate connection. And, and I told you this before, when you told me you were into nature, I was like, that is such a cool hobby. 
right? Like, cool <laughs> hobby. Like, I'm, I'm so disconnected with it being a part of us as humans that I feel like it's a hobby to be in nature, but it's not a hobby, right? It's embedded in us. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Preach, sister. Preach. Mm. It's so beautiful to just create time. Just you know, it doesn't have to be every day. Just a few times a week, and just put your feet on the earth and connect to her, and let yourself be physically and intuitively led, and set the intention to sync up with your own cycle. If you don't know what that is, like you do know, it's in you, it's embedded in you. You're in one now, and just just let yourself be led. You'll know. So yeah. And I love, I love the, the, uh, the acts of following and being led because that'll help you as well with relationships. I think when you can learn how to, to follow, if you have one of those people, if you're one of those people with the very, like, I must lead all the time mentalities. Yeah. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so good. And, and it's just another way that we try to like control our whole life because you know what I was thinking about Maddie? I feel, this is my theory, I can't prove this, but I feel like every relationship that we have, whether that's the relationship with our business or the relationship with our business partners or relationship with various friends, romantic partner, uh, fitness instructor, whatever, I feel like that relationship, it has like a particular entity, like like a a a code. And it's our job to connect to the rhythm of that entity. And we're here to serve the entity of the relationship itself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely get that. And, around with that. No, yeah, I think that's beautiful. And, and in a way, everything provides for you this opportunity to learn. And you can be a vessel for pretty much anything that needs to happen within this intimate relationship. If that's, yeah. Yeah, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're you're serving the entity. This this energetic experience that the two of you are co-creating, like you're serving that. Yeah. You said you know? on your Snapchat or Instagram story, you had said once that and I, I feel like this ties in with this, but you had said that you are not your business isn't here for you. You're here for your business, which to me was like mind blown. Because I'm always like, my business is mine, 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 mine. And then you're like, no, sweetie, it is like you're here for your business. It's its own entity. And I think that can be similar to relationships. It's like Mm -hmm. this relationship isn't here for you, but you're serving the relationship and you are putting into the pot. You are contributing to this beautiful Mm -hmm. thing that it's own. It's its own thing. It's not really yours. You don't own it. And it can grow in a way it needs to grow without you controlling it. But you got to follow and you got to see where that its own entity will lead. Yeah. And it's so much more exciting to do it that way. Um, yeah, that's a teaching Yogi Bhajan gave. And I took this course with my teacher, Guru Jagat, called Aquarian Business Training in 2016. And that was one of the big takeaways that just really stuck with me. He said that repeatedly over and over again in lectures that like you – are serving your business. Your business is this entity and that entity will shift and it will change. And if you can accept that in fact fully, you will never feel sadness about losing things in your business. So I'm so grateful that I, I received that teaching and that I can pass it on to other people. 
Um, because when it came time for me to make this transition of my own business and to really like let go of, of everything in my business, I felt zero sadness. Ah. I just felt like my I'm serving the entity. Like I just felt like this is the natural progression. The entity is ready to go in this direction and I'm going to serve it. And I really felt no sadness over it. I love it. I love it. And that can be applied to people who don't have businesses, but whatever is going on in your life, whatever that thing is, it's its own entity. Yeah. So don't become attached to it. Even if it comes down to your identity, don't become attached to it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So we have a quick fire round here. Ooh. They're not the quickest questions. It's kind of like me. I don't know if I do quick fire very well. It's like, (laughs) it's like deep, intense, quick fire round. I need to, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a new creative name, but nothing has a good ring to it. Like quick fire, like slow water. I don't know. This doesn't sound the same. (laughs) Slow water. It is ready for the slow. It's like the lake. It's a lake round. Um, before we do that, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, cool. So um, you can find me at HeatherWaxman.com and I'm Heather Waxman on everything. I'm most active on Instagram and Periscope and YouTube and Facebook. Perfect. Heather Waxman. Yep. I'll have all the links to that on the show notes for this episode 137. And question number one, what are three words to describe you? Fiery, fierce, devoted. Oh, those are good. I like those. If you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would you call home? Asheville, North Carolina. Hmm. What did you eat for breakfast? I had oats with chia seeds and almond milk, and I've been doing this weird thing where I'll actually take the jar of peanut butter and I'll dip my spoon in the peanut butter, and then I'll dip that into the oats and eat like that. Oh, that's a weird thing because that's like – I do that all the time. I mean, it's amazing. Okay. Well, that was my breakfast. <laughs> Is it for every bite you dip it in and then dip it in? No. No, because okay. I really like the taste of plain oatmeal too. That's why I do it because I didn't want like all peanut butter in the oatmeal. I wanted, you know, a solid variety. Gotcha. You want oatmeal with a side of peanut butter, not peanut butter with a side of oatmeal like me. Word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ooh, let's see. Mm, what's your favorite nickname? Like for myself? Any nickname. Just anything that is, I mean, if you have a nickname, yeah, it's for um, you. Sorry. Yes, for you. And if you have, if you have named yourself this, that's fine. But if other people have called you this. Uh, one of my clients calls me Waxy, and I really like that. That's it's cute. not very, like, it's not a groundbreaking nickname, but I, I really dig it. <laughs> that's cute. I like it. Um, yeah. what, is a, what is your biggest quality turn on in a partner? Ooh, well, there are two that are tied. Um, not taking yourself too seriously via sense of humor and acts of service. When you just, when you give, when you do an act of service, I just, it melts my heart. Anything like that. Who are three people you'd invite to your perfect dinner party? Oh, Ellen DeGeneres, Jesus, and oh no, there's so many that I would want to do for like a third one. Um, 
probably my teacher, Guta Jugget, because she's really funny and really awesome, and I dig her. I would love to see Ellen DeGeneres and Jesus together. I think it would be the most amazing thing ever. Really I feel like would people cool. would be really surprised at how funny Jesus is. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet she she would bring out some pretty funniness out of Jesus. Um, what's your favorite meal right now? You know, this is really weird that you're asking me this because, like, I always have a favorite meal, but I currently don't have a favorite one. Huh. But if I had to pick... It would probably be, I'm obsessed with the ginger, almond, tamari, quinoa, something or other salad at Be Good and a side of their sweet potato fries. That's like my jam right now. If love tasted like a flavor, what would it be? Grapefruit. Really? That is fascinating. I don't know that literally, I have no idea why that came out of my mouth, but it did. It's like... (laughs) Sweet on the inside, but a little tangy and yeah, a little surprising and really juicy. Word. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> what is a must-read book? Your own. Your own story. I think your own story is the most important one to read and to write. Whatever it means to you. I like that. That's good. Okay, last question. Who would you cast to play you in a movie about your life? Um, Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Who is it? Evan Rachel Wood. Do you know who that is? I don't think so. Do you know the movie Across the Universe? Yes. She is, uh, yeah, one of the main stars in that movie. Her name's Evan? Mm-hmm. that's cool I like that yeah. I love it when girls have boy names me too I love it too beautiful well thank you Heather thank you so much that was for really coming fun on. it was so fun I've I just I love our chats I love talking with you this episode is so insightful so thank you so much for coming on you're welcome I love you so much I love you. Okay, everyone, if you want to get all of the beautiful links to everything that we mentioned in this show and you want to check out all of Heather's social links and her website, then you can head on over to maddiemoon.com slash heather-waxman. And this is episode 137. And if you haven't yet downloaded your free course, which I talk about every week, how to powerfully live your one life, you can download that there. And I would love to hear your insights on this episode. If you want to leave a comment on the show notes for this post, then you are more than welcome to do that because I would love to see what little nuggets you gain from this show. And thank you everyone who comes back and listens every Wednesday. You guys rock and I'll see you guys next week. 